Breathe in. Breathe out. Who am I? Breathe in. Breathe out. Who am I? A set of circumstances situationally combined into a string of events that make up my life. A mother, a daughter, a wife, a father, a son, a husband, a sister, a brother, somebody, something, never my anything, who am I? No, really, I'm asking. I don't know. I think my mom should have named me Murphy because everything in my life that could possibly go wrong has, who am I? Am I my name? My past, my potential, my future? Am I my now? What makes a person a person? Am I my thoughts? They sure can be dark. Am I my heart? My body? Am I what people see me as? What do people see me as? If only they knew what went on inside. Am I that? The me inside? Who am I? See, I work so hard. I try and I try and I try to be the best at what I do. Am I what I do? Am I what I have to offer the world? The more I put into society, the harder I work, the more I give, the more value I have, right? But no matter how much I do, no matter how hard I work, no matter how much of my body I give, no matter how much of my heart I offer, people want more. I never satisfy them, and I am never satisfied. Who am I? Who are you? You long to be successful, but you can't keep a job. You long to be a husband, but you can't find a wife. You long to be sober, but you can't put down the bottle. You want to be seen, but you can't see past what you want. You want to understand, but you're living in denial. You long to be free, but the chains hold you too tightly. Who are you? And where is the peace in this busy world? I feel like I am so lost trying to pinpoint who I am. Days coast by on autopilot, and I never get a break. I just want a break. Who am I? My questions are unanswered and I'm tired. There's no peace in unanswered questions. I just want to be happy with who I am. But who am I? Hello, Gateway. So glad to be here with you this morning. Ah, that was awesome. Um, I'm Jamie Schwartz, and no, I'm just glad Eric introduced me because I didn't lock him in a closet and sneak up here without his permission. I'm legit. I'm supposed to be here today, so I'm excited. Actually, I would really say I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be here with you this morning, and happy Mother's Day, if you haven't heard it a hundred times already, to all the mamas out there. We're really happy to have you guys with us this morning. Um, Caitlin, that was beautiful, by the way. Caitlin um, poses a good question to us this morning. Who am I? And who am I is a question that we are born deep down asking. Within us, we're longing to know 
who we are. And we're seeking to find that answer. And who we are is so important. It's very important. Who we are affects everything. It affects how we interact with God. It affects how we interact with each other. It affects how we interact with ourselves. It affects how we interact with the world. Who we believe we are is very important. And so today, we're actually going to explore that a little bit, but I have to be completely honest with you guys. This has not been the easiest last few weeks for me as I got invited to do this and said yes and, of course, started planning for it. Uh, things got a little crazy, I'm just going to be honest. And the craziness started um, in a very hard place for me. But I want to start by something you can relate to. Austin's full of runners, right? And we've heard probably somewhere in the Bible or somebody's alluded to running the race of life, okay? So my race of life these past few weeks has not looked like one of those beautiful runners on Town Lake. They're just kind of gliding through the air and they don't even look like they're putting any effort into it. That is not what I've looked like. Actually, what I've looked like, I found a clip for and they're gonna put it up here on the screen for you real quick. <laughs> I don't know if you're friends, friends fans, but uh, I just, I was like trying to envision, man, this has been so crazy. What if, what does my race of life look like? And I was like, oh yeah, that episode of Phoebe when Rachel realized she couldn't run very well and it was craziness, except I wasn't probably as joyful as Phoebe. It was ugly. That's just, let's put it that way. It was, it's been an ugly couple of weeks. But what it started with was something that really hit me. I totally failed and missed my son, my seventh grader's band concert. And when I found out that I missed it, I was devastated because I hadn't missed any of his performances in his whole life. And so, of course, that was crushing to me. Um, and I felt the weight of not being able to keep all the balls in the air. And that's when voices started in my head. You're not a very good mom, are you? If you were a good mom, you could keep up with your calendar and keep up with what you got going on and keep up with all this stuff and then you would be there for him and he wouldn't have felt let down and you would have been there for him, but you weren't. And then my answer to that is okay. I'm gonna try harder. I'm gonna get better. I'm gonna have an even better calendar, which I already have my calendar on my phone, my calendar, my manual calendar. I'm just gonna have a better calendar and I'm gonna keep it all together. And of course, other things started falling. My friendships started falling. I started missing appointments and forgetting about, I overscheduled, I was doing all these things. And that was just constantly putting this pressure on me of not being enough. And of course, more questions. You're not a very good friend. You're not being a very good wife. You're not being a very good daughter. And as these things continued to pile on me, I felt the need to respond. And what was my response? Try harder. Get better at those things. Figure it out. And so I did. I kept trying harder. But in the midst of all of this, things continued to fall. I continued to fail. And I continued to feel the weight of my striving. I continue to feel like, man, am I ever gonna be enough? Am I ever gonna get this right? What is this thing people talk about called balance? It does not exist because I've tried it over and over again. I feel like I constantly am striving for that very thing and it's not happening. And I, of course, 
because all this is going on, I'm trying to keep all these balls in the air, my time with God starts to become less and less. And as that happened, I started to feel this distance growing between me and him. And if I did open my Bible and I was studying it, it was just to get my Bible study done so I'd have it done when I go to Bible study, and I wasn't actually spending time with God. And I started to feel the distance there. And as that happened, of course, the voices came again. And these voices again were telling me, you're not a very good friend to God. Because if you were, you would make time for him. But you don't make time for him. You don't make time for him at all. Who are you to be leading other people when your own relationship with God is struggling? Who are you to get up there and speak when you can't even make time for God? And as that hit me, I started to feel like maybe that's true. And as that hit me, I felt the weight of it all coming down again. And of course, what's my response? Okay, I'm gonna figure this out and I'm gonna try harder. I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but I'm gonna guess that you can. And I like to call this the striving cycle because I have this thing, this innate feeling that I have to figure out or be something by what I do. So I strive. I strive to be good at something. I strive to be a good wife. I strive to be a good employee. I strive to be a good friend. I strive and I strive and I strive. And I do all of these things because by doing them, I'm trying to become something. So I feel this weight of in order to be loved, I have to be lovable. In order to be valued, I have to do things that give me value. And as I'm doing those things, I just feel more pressure. And I'm striving, and I'm striving, and I'm striving. And I feel like when I look around, I see other people doing the same thing. I see parents feeling like they have to be at every function that their kid has, that they have to put their kid in every sport that they possibly can, tons of activities, that they have to be room mom or room dad, that they have to go to every single event, because if they don't, then that's going to affect who they are. They want to be good parents, and in order to be good parents, they have to do, do, and do. And there's no peace. There's no rest, because it never ends. And the same with uh, all of us when we have a job or we have some sort of passion and it's like, I have to do this in order to be good. I have to do this in order to be good at whatever it is that I'm doing, to be valued, to be found worthy. And that's really what we're asking. If you strip away that who am I question, underneath that is the real question. And the questions we're really asking is, am I valuable? Am I worthy of love? Am I acceptable? And that's really what we want to know. We were looking around, trying to achieve the answer to this question by what we do and letting what we do determine it. So on a good day, it might feel pretty good because it's like, hey, I got an A on that test. Hey, I actually made it to that appointment. Hey, I'm keeping up with things. But I know, and we all know this, those good days, They're not the norm. That is not our day-to-day life. Our day-to-day life is hit with so so many variables that we unfortunately can't keep up with it all because even the most reliable of us still have to contend with sickness we weren't expecting. 
We still have to contend with weather that doesn't cooperate. We still have to contend with imperfect people and an imperfect world where things can go wrong so quickly. And so even when we're having a good day, we know there's that piece of us that knows this can be gone in a second. Where is there any security in that? And can we, can we get that question answered? Now, I know some of you would say, I'm a Christian, I follow God. And so you would say, yeah, we get that question answered with God. But yet, you're still struggling. You're still striving. You're still in a place where you are actually experiencing high anxiety and deep depressions, and you can't reconcile. If this is true, then why can't I rest in it? Why can't I live like it's true? And then there's some of us that look around at our circumstances and say, you know what? If God's the answer, if God cares, then where is he? Because does he see all that I'm going through right now? Does he see my pain? Does he see my suffering? Does he see my striving? And does he even care? And that's what we're going to explore today. Those are great questions, and we're going to dig into them together and see what we can find. So we're going to go right now into the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. And in this scene, Jesus is having a really powerful encounter with two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Martha, of course, had her plans. She was a planner. And so she had invited Jesus. And of course, that would have meant a pretty significant group of people would have been coming with him into her home. And so she was inviting them over. She had her wonderful sister, Mary, and I'm sure she assumed that Mary would be doing her help of the hosting all of these people and keeping up with things. This would have been a real privilege for Martha to have Jesus in her house, eating with her, talking. She would have been around him. That would have been a big deal. And it presented Martha with an opportunity to not only serve him well, but to impress him. And so she has him over, and things don't quite go the way she planned, because as soon as Jesus gets there, and he's settling in, and he starts to talk, Mary finds herself drawn to sit at his feet and listen. And it's as if everything, all the responsibilities kind of melted away, and everything she was supposed to do melted away, and she's just captivated. And as she's sitting there, fully captivated, I can just picture Martha peeking around the kitchen thinking, what? What on earth? is she doing? Because she's supposed to be in here, and I can just picture those voices starting to go in her head, and Mary is so unreliable, and if Mary would just do what she's supposed to do, and it's just frustration after frustration after frustration, and honestly, I think we can all relate to that. We all have somebody in our life that we're like, man, if my coworker, if my parents, if my kids, if my husband, if my girlfriend, if my boyfriend, if they would just do their part, if they would just do what they're supposed to do, then everything would be fine. And my plan would go smoothly, and my value would remain in check, and everybody would like me, and it would all be good. But things don't usually go the way we plan, and that is how Martha had this experience. And so, of course, Martha gets fed up. She's had enough. And so she goes to Jesus, and she confronts him about Mary. But when she confronts him, underneath that, we can see those questions. Jesus, do you even see me? Do you even care? Do you see my striving? Do you know how hard I'm working? And so listen to what Martha says. She says, Lord, 
Do you not care that my sister Mary has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Martha was looking for help. And she thought if Jesus would just fix this and get Mary to come help me, then everything would be realigned and it would be good. But she needed something more than Mary's help. And Jesus knew exactly what she needed. He saw deeper. He saw what was actually going on in her heart. And so instead of telling Mary, go help her, Jesus answers her, but he doesn't answer in the way that she expected. Listen to what he says. He says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken away from her. What Jesus is doing is he's speaking right to Martha's heart. And by saying, Martha, Martha, he's saying, I know you. He's saying, I know you, Martha. And by saying, talking and speaking to her anxiety and her trouble, he's saying, Martha, I see you. I see what you're going through. I see what's happening inside of you. And then he says, but there's only one thing that's necessary. And when he tells her that, he's pointing her to that one thing that was right in her house, right in front of her, and it was him. He came there because he wanted to be with her. He wanted to be with us, and he was looking for her to be with him, to know him to have a relationship with him. He wasn't wanting her striving. He wasn't wanting all of her work. He was wanting her. And he was the one thing that she needed. And then he tells her, Mary has chosen the good portion. And that's not going to be taken away from her. And when he does that, he's telling Martha that that's not only true for Mary, but that's true for her. That he, that he was the one thing that nothing in this crazy world could ever take away from her. He was telling her that he was there for her and no one could take that away. And when he said that, that was not only true for Mary and that was not only true for Martha, but that's actually true for us here today. Jesus wasn't just saying that to her in that moment. He was saying that to us too that he was the one thing we needed and nothing could take him away from us. And so as that happened, I think that it shows us that he is inviting us into this space. Mary was sitting at his feet, resting, being with him, getting to know him. And he's not inviting us, come work for me. He's inviting us to come be with me. Come know me. And it actually talks about this. God talks about it in Psalm 4610, where he says, cease striving and know that I am God. He's calling us to stop our striving and to get to know him. 
Now, the first time that I had a real encounter with this verse, I was on my first mission trip to Nicaragua. And I was very excited to be there. They had this beautiful area, the place that we stayed, the compound we were in, on the roof. There was this patio that overlooked these awesome volcanoes. And so I would wake up every morning, and I would take my Bible and my coffee and my journal up there, and I would just have some quiet time with God. And so I was having that time this morning, and in that time, I came across this verse. I'm pretty authentic, so I just was pretty honest with God. And I just said, well, I really like this, but... I don't know what this like practically looks like. How does cease striving and know that I am God look in my everyday life? Like, what does that really mean? And so I just asked him. And right about the time I had asked him the question, I get easily distracted, and I got distracted by something happening out in the field in front of me. There was a horse out there grazing, and all of a sudden I saw this man and these two kids starting to walk towards it, and the man had a lead rope. And so he walks out there, and he puts the lead rope around the horse's neck, and then he just takes the little boy and the little girl and sets them one by one on the back of the horse, and he just leads them back towards the town and leads them um, and into the town and then out of my sight. And I just watched them until they were completely gone. I was kind of just in a daze, captivated by it. And all of a sudden, I realized, like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be spending time with God. Oops, sorry, God. <laughs> got back to my journal and got back to what I was doing and my question, and it was like at that moment, I just clicked that that wasn't an accident, that what I had just seen was actually God answering my question. And what God showed me was life is like that horse. And if you've ever ridden a horse, you know that really can be true. Life can be. It's unpredictable, likes to buck sometimes, gets in your way, doesn't do what it's supposed to do. But in this situation, that's what represented the journey of life. And the man was like God and the kids were like us. We don't choose to be born. We don't choose to have life. This was given to us. It was a gift. It was a choice that we have been gifted. God gives us life. And so in this picture with the man putting them on the horse, they couldn't have done that themselves. They needed him to do that, just like we need God to give us life. And the kids representing us were put on the horse, and if they had gotten on the horse and they had like grabbed the horse by the mane or reins or whatever and tried to make the horse go where they thought it should and tried to control it, that's what striving's like. It's when you and I try to control where we're going, try to control what we're doing, and we hold on really tight and we try to make things go our way. But God is calling us in this verse to cease that. And so ceasing striving is letting go of the mane letting go of the reins, letting go and surrendering and sitting back and letting God lead. And knowing that he is God is sitting back and knowing two things, that he's with us and that he is leading us. And in this scene, what you can see is what are we doing? We are sitting back in a space of rest. Who is actually doing all the work? God is. And that's what he's inviting us into when he says, cease striving and know me. Stop doing so many things for me. Stop trying so hard to get your question answered and getting caught up in that cycle of going and going and going that you don't make time to know me 
to be with me because I believe God desires not only to know you, but to answer your question. He wants you to know him, and he wants you to know who he says you are. So as we go back and we look at the beginning of creation, we see that in the beginning, man and woman were in the garden with God, and they were in this perfect unified relationship where they did know God, and they did have a relationship with him, and everything was unified. They fully were exposed before God, naked and unashamed, and God was fully present with them. But then we see Satan come in, and as he speaks to the man and the woman, what he speaks about is twisting God's words and attacking God's identity. He attacked God's goodness, and he questioned it. And as soon as they listened and they believed, they questioned it too, and that led them to rebel against him. And when they did that, something much greater and more tragic happened than they could have ever realized because not only then was God's identity under attack and they started to distrust God, but also at that point, so was theirs because they opened the door for their own identity, which was directly connected to their creator to become under attack as well. And they stopped knowing God and the more they wondered from God, the more they wondered from who they actually were, who God had created them to be. And the more that was passed down from gener generation to generation, they started seeking outside of God who they were. They were lost. They were losing the answer to their question. And so how did they respond? The same way that I did. Try harder. Figure it out. Be a good parent. Be a good worker. Do all these things. And if I do, 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 then I can be good. But the problem is, is that it doesn't happen because there's more doing always to be done and there's no rest. And so in this lost place of humanity no longer knowing who they are, seeking everywhere else to find their identity and ultimately no longer knowing God, we lost the desire to even pursue him. And because of our sin, which is simply our rejection and rebellion against God, we didn't even want to. We didn't want to know him. We just pushed him away. But here's the beautiful thing about God. He never stopped pursuing us. He never stopped looking for us. No matter how long we would tell him, I don't want to hear you and push him away, no matter how much we would ignore him, no matter how much we would pursue over here and be distracted over here and scratch all our itches, no matter what we would do, he would still continue to love us, show us mercy, present us with truth. He's never stopped pursuing us. And the culmination of his revelation of himself to us happened when he came for us himself. When Jesus came for us, God revealed himself fully. He showed us what he was all about. And what we got to see was that he's all about us. He's all about us. He wants us. He wants to know us, and he wants us to know him. He wants to be with us. What we saw when Jesus came is that what was the very thing he was attacked with most? His identity, who he claimed to be was the very area that he was attacked. And again, as his identity was attacked, that actually led 
to him being crucified. But in that crucifixion, something very important happened. On that day that he died for who he was, that he died for us, he gave us an exchange. He took on himself our sin so that he could give us forgiveness. He took on himself our wrongs so that he could make us right. He took on himself our nakedness and our exposedness, our shame, so that he could clothe us. He took on himself our restlessness so that he could give us rest and peace. And when he did that, he became sin. He was sin so that we could become his righteousness. And it actually says that in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I think that through Jesus, he not only reconciles our relationship to God, but he restores our identity. He tells us who we are, and he makes us new. In him, we're no longer those old things. We're no longer just our sin. We're no longer just our striving. We're no longer all of our false identities that we're trying to accomplish through our striving. In him, we're free to be who he says we are who he created us to be, and who he calls us to be. We're free to be the us that wandered away from God and now has been brought back and reconciled to him. And here's what I love about this passage in 2 Corinthians, is that actually there's a bigger section I want to share with you because it tells us really what this identity that Jesus is giving us is. It says, because of this decision, we don't evaluate people the way that, <clears throat> by what they have or how they look. We look at Jesus that way once and got it all wrong. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside at what we see is that new, wait, hold on. Now we look inside, blah, blah, okay, yeah. What we see is that anyone united with Jesus gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone and a new life begins. Look at it. All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through Jesus, giving us the world, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness for sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop our differences and to enter into God's work of making things right between us. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God because he is already a friend to you. See, God has told us the answer to our question. He has answered it for us. And he has done everything to reconcile and restore us fully. But we still get to choose. 
We get to choose whether we will receive or reject him. We get to choose whether we'll follow him. And here's the beauty, though. Today, you can absolutely know the answer to your question, who am I? Because through Jesus, God has given that answer to you and has invited you into this space whether you've known him for a long time or you're just coming to know him, the space he's inviting you into is a relationship where you get to know him. And as you do, he reveals to you who he created you to be. And you get to live out your identity. What I love is that because of what Jesus has done, we can say with confidence that I am God's child. I am seen by God. I am known by God. I am loved by God. I am his. And the Bible says it like this, that I am convinced that nothing can ever separate me from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither my fears for today or my worries for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate me from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate me from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, you are good. God, you you are our creator and we worship you because you have loved and pursued us when we have spit in your face and continue to strive even though we know you, we get glimpses of you and we still go back to our striving cycle trying to answer our own question and we just thank you that you don't give up on us and we thank you that just like what you revealed to Martha we can cease our striving and we can be with you and we can know you and you love us right where we are God we ask right now that you would meet us here we ask right now as this song plays that you would speak to our hearts about who you say we are that through all of this life where we've been striving where we've been seeking our answer from everything else but you, God, would you speak to us right now? And would you tell us how you see us? Would you tell us who you say we are? We ask this in Jesus' name. I just want to ask you to do that right now. As this song plays, I want to ask you, if you're willing, to listen to these words and pray them back to God that you would be able to start to see yourself the way that God already sees you. I just want to thank you guys so much for being here today. And I just want to give you a couple of opportunities that we have for you. First of all, if you go back to the beginning of my message, I got so caught up in this striving, of the cycle of striving as I was preparing for this message. And it just reminds me how easy it is and how desperately we need each other because ultimately God has given us each other so that we can remind each other, so that we can support each other, so that we can do this together. And I need people around me who are helping me remember and I know that so do you and that's what this is all about.
So that's why at Gateway, we're so passionate about getting connected because we know that we need each other. So there are multiple opportunities that you have. You can walk out to our Connect spot and get information about any of the groups that Eric mentioned earlier. You can walk back to our starting gate point where you can take a starting gate tour and get to know about the opportunities to serve that we have around Gateway. And then I also want to personally invite you. I'm starting a study um, that at the beginning of June called Victory Over the Darkness. And this is a study that's specifically about living out our identity in Christ because I don't know about you, but that's not necessarily something we naturally know how to do or what that even means. And this book is wonderful to help lay that out and help us dig in to actually moving forward and trying to live more intentionally that way. So I'd love for you, if you want information about that, go to the Connect spot and they can help you there. But lastly, I really want to impress upon you the importance of prayer. If you get moved in a service and you feel God speaking to you, it might make you uncomfortable, it might be kind of weird, I want to encourage you to walk over to our prayer place over here. These wonderful volunteers are here every week, and they want to pray with you. They're here to pray with you. And so I, my motto is prayer first because I feel like it's a foundation for everything that God's doing in our lives. So I really encourage you to take advantage of that and head over there and get some prayer today. But outside of that, I just want to tell you to go enjoy your day. Have a happy Mother's Day. And, um, oh, I, I'm getting the card wave. We have a gift for you mamas and all of the women in the audience. We have these beautiful cards that they'll be handing out, I believe, in the back that are just reminders. It's uh, b basically telling you who God says you are. And so it's personalized. And so you can walk back there and grab one of those as you're heading out to take home. And that'll be a great way to remind you. But just want you to enjoy this wonderful day. And we'll see you back next week. Thank you, guys. <laughs>